The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, host of the original Southern Remedy, the show where I answer your medical questions. Subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on any podcasting app. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and for the next hour, we're going to kind of hunker down a little bit together. I know a lot of folks have got uh, garden plants out there. You've got camellias that are blooming or budded up. You've got lettuce and uh, turnips, maybe kale, maybe even some early daffodils. There's all sorts of stuff going on out there. Some of you got new plants you set out this past year, wondering, can they take what's headed our way next week? And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but... Uh, so Java, what's it like out there, man? I know it's kind of warmish today, warmish today. Yeah, it's always funny because the warm weather comes, I guess, before the storm. I'm not a meteorologist, but it was really, <laughs> it was really warm yesterday, and it's a little warm uh, this morning. But it is rainy, you know, it's windy, and we got a lot of activity over the next. But with, including the freezing temperatures, about the next six <laughs> six days or so. Yeah, it's going to be rough, and, uh, you know, this is uh, it is a concern. A lot of folks had real trouble last year with an early freeze. We had an early hard freeze, which set plants up to warm up later, and then another hard freeze and a hard, dry summer. Now, a lot of people are concerned about plants, including me. You know, I've got plants that I can lose myself. So uh, if folks have got concerns about it, I've got some tips. i got the things we can do about it. But if you just want to chat about it, or maybe proactive, you want to start thinking ahead to after this, what are we going to do? What can you do in February or March? Getting ready for summer. This gardening is is exciting. It's not just taking care of stuff. It's moving stuff forward and looking forward and having hope and not just resting on your laurels. So there's plenty of stuff we can be doing this time of year, potted plants, rooting plants, uh, starting seeds, ordering seeds. There's just so many things we, we can be doing right now. So let's don't make it all doom and gloom, although I'm prepared to, to uh, offer as much hope as I can offer myself during the weird weather that's coming up. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. So uh, other than that, it's um, you know just not, not much else on my mind. My daughter and I, Zoe, and I started a new garden in her, her backyard this past November. We built a raised bed from scratch, used some leftover lumber from uh, her brother's, one of his landscape projects. We built some boxes. We dug the dirt. We added stuff to it. We mulched it. We planted stuff. We accessorized, put a fence around it, and it looks great. Uh, but she's kind of a newbie at this. And um, I'm, she and I are collaborating on what she can do to keep what's looking good out there looking good through this next week. So it's not just me. It's not just you. 
It's my daughter in Java. Our children are going to decide what old folks' home we go to, so you got to treat them as well as you can. Now, that's a word from Big Bird. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, if uh, like I say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. But if you don't treat your kids right, they can come back and bite you later. So anyway, Zoe and I are hunkering down. We, we've got some plans on what she can do. Um, I can tell you some things I've prepared my own garden for. Uh, but mostly it's going to be a matter of accepting that some plants are going to suffer. Some plants shouldn't be out there this time of year. It's the wrong time of year for lettuce and tomatoes and, and, and a whole lot of stuff. It's winter time. A lot of people try to keep cool season plants alive through the winter. And Java, this is kind of a strange thing, but we think about things like like a broccoli and cabbage and carrots and beets and onions. We think about those as winter plants, so that's when we plant them. The problem is they're not winter plants. They're cool climate plants. They like to grow in a place where it stays cool for a long time. They don't like hot, hot weather, and they don't like hard, hard freezes. Very few edible plants that we have out there that like freezes, so... We try to plant them early enough in the fall so we can get some kind of harvest before it gets too cold in the winter. We try to replant in the late winter, hoping they don't freeze, and, and then hoping they have time to produce something before it gets too hot. But right here in the middle of the winter, a lot of those plants that we sort of take for granted as winter plants, they're at the mercy of this kind of weather. And anything we can do as gardeners to help protect them, I think that's going to be important. And it includes mulching. It includes watering uh, because uh, wet soil doesn't get as cold as dry soil. And as water turns to ice, it actually gives off heat. Uh, and also covering a few plants up. Now, we don't need to get crazy because some plants can grow up in Michigan. Um, but covering real tender or valuable plants are, are new plants. So that's that's going to be my thrust over the next hour. Now, Felder, I like what you just yeah. said because I actually had a question. When it comes to plants that can, you know, like you just said about broccoli and uh, and lettuces and things being winter plants, how important is it the actual temperature of the soil versus, you know, just the temperature outside? Because you just said even if you water it and it turns to ice, it actually gives off heat. So when you say winter, are they looking for nice uh, soil or just like these cert- or like a certain temperature? Well, actually, that's sort of the answer to a question I thought nobody would ask. Oh, but- man, I jumped the gun. <laughs> but- I did not know. <laughs> no, you you asked it, though. So here we go. <laughs> Answers to questions that only Java so far has asked. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a lot of a lot of people don't realize that there's a difference between frost and freezing. You know, frost is a surface thing. And you can have frost at zero you can have frost when it's above freezing. It depends on air temperature and moisture and all that kind of stuff. But what causes freezes is when the, the water inside a plant turns to ice, and there's two kinds of freezing of that. There's intracell or intercell between the cells, the loose space, and then the water moisture inside the cells themselves. If the water inside the cells themselves freeze, turns to ice, it busts that cell wall, and as soon as it thaws out, all the gooey stuff comes out. That's what happens to tropical plants. What happens, though, to a lot of the plants we have outside that normally take cold weather? I'm talking about daffodils, elephant garlic, uh, camellias, azaleas, blueberries, things like that. If the water in between the cells uh, can freeze, 
and it draws moisture out of the cell. It actually sort of dehydrates them, and they shut down. And that's still not a big deal. The real problem is oh, it gets so cold so fast that plants can't prepare. A lot of people don't realize, and I, I don't want to really get into to the plant physiology. I mean, there's, you know, the frost-free cycles and, and all like that, but and, and there's, it, it's, it can be real complex with, with, with physiological terms. Bottom line is plants that cool down slowly actually produce like an antifreeze, a type of protein that actually lowers the freezing temperature of plants. That's what happens up north. It gets slowly cooler and the plants slow down. They harden off. It's, it's what's called hardening off. And if they get ready for it, then they can take really super, super cold temperatures. The problem is what we're having next week is these plants are having warm weather this week, which means that they lose that, that freeze protection. You know, it takes weeks to, to, to build the stuff up. It only takes a few days of warm weather for them to lose it, have to start over again. So the plants right now feeling good, and that sudden hard freeze is going to catch them. They won't have those proteins and the protection they need. So here's the deal. Uh, if you can water plants ahead of time, uh, water in liquid form is warmer than ice, of course. And as it turns to ice, it actually gives off heat. And, uh, and so if you can water your ground, the roots, and it's warm in the ground anyway. As that water slowly gets colder, it gives off warmth, which protects roots and the lower parts of plants. Stuff up above the ground, stick it up in the air, more exposed to cold temperatures, to cold winds, things like that. Um, the air in between the cells, it go, gets in the plant. they got holes in leaves called uh, stomates and hydrothos. There's all sorts of little holes in bottom leaves where they breathe. The cold air and moisture gets in there freezes in between the cells, which is not that big a deal, but if it warms up, it gets cold again, it warms up, it gets cold again, gradually these plants lose their ability to handle it. So that's that's the problem. So bottom line is on, on plants that, that you can, because we're getting some rain today, that's a good thing. If the ground is moist and the ground is warm because we've had some nice warm days, then the the, the freeze won't be so bad, at least down close to the ground, to, to vegetables and sunflowers. But if it drops really, really cold and stays there, uh, about the only thing we can do is try to cover plants up as best we can. And uh, there's a whole art to that job. A lot of people go out and they wrap blankets around and burlap around their plants. This does nothing. I mean, blankets and burlap, heat blows right through it. What you're trying to do is, is knock the cold wind off, try to keep some of the frost from forming on the plants. But more important, we're trying to drape it all the way to the ground so it acts like a tent, and it captures warmth rising from the soil. So you're trying to make a little heat dome around these plants, and that'll help for a few hours or a day or two. As long as the ground is warm, it'll still catch it. So I recommend plastic or tarp or something that, that's not loose like, like cloth. You know, and that's, a, that's what it boils down to, ice ice, baby. <laughs> We're trying to keep that from happening. Use the ground and the warmth to support it. Try to keep a, a tent over the plants as best you can, water them, and then just hunker down. Nothing's going to help if it gets too cold, too fast, for too long. Welcome to my world. Horticulture's fellow rushing. And uh, Java, thank you. We, I was starting to get off on a, on a rant. I, I didn't even get around to biomembrane viscosity and ion transporters and all those other things. 
But the bottom line is, if it gets really cold really fast or if it stays there or if it's up and down, up and down, that's what causes problems. You need to cover your plants up, mulch them, or water them. That's what it boils down to. So let's slide up to the middle of the Delta and talk with Molly in Cleveland. Molly, thank you for for calling. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Sure. Sure, What's up? I have a question about my... I have a question about my sustainquas that are blooming. They're on the east side of my house, and um, they took a real hard hit with that ice and really cold weather we had either last year or the year before, and they're just really coming back. And they started blooming, and this is the first first time they've bloomed again. And I'm worried about this next week. Should I cover them? They're mulched. Uh, should I cover them? Well, the, the mulch will help the roots. You know, as you know, you know these plants they they normally can take a regular winter. It's the sudden hard deep freeze that gets them. That's what we're going to have this next week. Um, keeping them watered and mulched that's the most important thing you can do overall. Keeping the plant healthy during the summer, a little fertilizer pruning, that kind of stuff. But if they're mulched and they're watered, that's ninety percent of what you can do. If you want to cover them. Only cover them overnight and make sure the covers go all the way to the ground. If you can't do that, it's really not going to help that much. Covering plants just to, to get the wind off helps down to about the mid-20s, and that's about it. So, you know, you, you might want to cover them temporarily just overnight when it's really, really cold. Uh, I'm getting my daughter to, to put some plants to go over her garden just Monday night and just Tuesday night when it's really, really cold. But when it's in the 20s, it's not that big a deal. So uh, I, I really wouldn't worry about them that much. Uh, if you can cover them, just make sure you do it just during the cold time and make it all the way to the ground to trap some heat coming up from the ground. That's about all we can do. Yeah, Feld, I really think that's the number one tip that you give when covering plants because, like you said, people just go out and throw some burlap or throw a quilt just over the the leaves of your yeah. plant, but if it doesn't touch the ground, it's not getting that maximum heat, like you say, from from the from the soil and from the ground. Well, you know, I do a lot of walking around uh, around. I'm, I'm still in England, and it's cold. I'm on the same same latitude in Nova Scotia, but it's fairly warm. Uh, but when it gets down into the twenties, I'm walking around the knit hat, protect the top of my head. That's great. But if you don't pull it down around your ears, you know, your your going to freeze. He got to cover it all, not just the, the not just the top bit. Yeah, now let's go to um, Marcy in Ocean Springs. I think she's right. everybody's on the same. What should I do in the next couple of days? Too? Well, that's right. Hey, hey, Marcy, what's it supposed to do down the coast next week? Um, pretty much everything you've been describing. Um, I just wanted to take the opportunity to remind people about birds and squirrels because. You know, you think, well, they're wild animals. They know what to do, no matter what the temperature, but not necessarily. You know, I was listening to Preacher Comforts yesterday, and um, Libby Hartfield was saying, you know, she has opened up uh, bluebird boxes, and it would be full of bluebirds, and they're all dead because their body heat wasn't enough to protect them. You know, so I decided myself, what I'm going to do is make my own roosting box 
for under my patio and try to, you know, invite the birds into the roosting box. <laughs> but, but, you know, go to Hobby Lobby, get some cork and wool and, you know, make the little holes down low so that when the heat rises, they can sit on the perch and stay warm because yeah. I want to do whatever I can do. And then she said, make sure that you keep the water out there. And if everything freezes, you have to kind of monitor it and make sure because they have to have water and, you know, food. So just, I know plants are so important. I agree. I'm going to do what I can for my plants, but I also want to protect the birds in the world. You know, and that's really important. Of course, you know, we, we, we can't do everything for a lot of wild birds, and they may not find that roosting, but but, but it does help if it helps any. Uh, you know, even a lot of people, and I, I'm, I'm not a I'm, – I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for this, but I'm not a strong proponent of having feral cats. Cats, to me, wild cats are, are troublesome, but they're out there. And, you know, if you can just get some, some, some ice some, – some, some, uh, some ice chest boxes put out there – uh, a lot of wild animals will find a way to those, but I think the most important thing we can do honestly and we can do during the cold with is make sure there's some open water provided for these things because, you know, they have to have water. And even in my own garden, you know, I've got uh, two big, good-sized water gardens, and uh, usually I turn the, the pumps off when I'm gone because if it freezes, the pumps can, can you know, can, can cause problems. Uh, but I make sure that my daughter goes by and, and makes sure there's some open water in the garden every now and then because the squirrels, the birds, the possums, the raccoons, they all need something to drink too. But that, that, but, but that, it's important we think about all the wild creatures as well, as best we can. You mentioned the feral cats. I don't want to talk for too long, but here at my sister's house, she has some cats outside, and we make a little cat hotels out of yeah. the big coats yeah. and we cut a door in it and put lots yeah. of little fleece blankets and um they use they use those. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well you know if you get if you're gonna if you're gonna have wild animals or you know they have wild animals, uh just keep it you know, it, it, it's it's more than bring your dogs and cats in. More than dogs and cats. So anyway, that's really good sentiment. I appreciate that a whole bunch, Marcy. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, I know a lot of folks have a word about things like sago palms. I know they're not palms, but sagos. Uh, they can turn brown, and in central Mississippi and, and north central Mississippi, uh, sometimes they can get killed by these sudden hard freezes. So those are examples of plants that sometimes they just turn brown. Uh, Aspidus will turn brown. A lot of plants will lose their leaves. I, I had Nandemas defoliate last year, but that's a temporary thing. The main thing is protect the, the roots, the lower trunks, if you've got a really tender plant, try to cover those up. But uh, things like sago palms, they can turn completely brown, and they can still put out perfectly good new growth in the spring. matter of fact, last year I had some sagos that I spray-painted them uh, different colors because they were brown, and it didn't hurt anything. And I was going to cut those fronds off later, so I just spray-painted them and enjoyed them until the new growth started coming out. Felder, yeah. we're getting ready for our um, cheesy tune. We're about, you know, midway through the show. But before we do, what is our um, – Booglification forecasts for the next couple of days. Are we gonna see a lot of booglification, a lot of booglified yeah. plants? <laughs> you know, a lot. And, and you know, we sort of make a lot. When I was in graduate school, uh, one of my one of my roommates, we rented a big farmhouse out out in the country. Uh, he's a linguistic professor, and and I was asking him, I said, "What is the word for plants that freeze 
they get when it thaws, they melt, they drip nasty, stinky stuff on the ground. You know, chlorophyll, uh, drippy stuff. And there's not a technical word, but there's words for the process. But there's not a word other than well, it froze. It didn't just freeze. It froze. It thawed. It dripped. It stank. And uh, Clayton, Clayton Allen, uh, my roommate, uh, he said, "Well, you can just make a word up. You can call it booglify if you want to." And we've been using it ever. It's even in magazines now. But plants that that are tropical, they're unable to form ice crystals and then thaw back out. They're uh, tomato plants, uh, philodendrons, Boston fern, elephant ears, cannas, those kind of things. They can't tolerate freeze, and they just simply freeze and turn to mush. That's called booger fly. The only plants that are likely to do that. Are, are tropical plants, subtropical plants, elephant ears, cannas, and they'll come back. But I've got some succulent plants, uh, you know, sedums and uh, agaves and things that normally can take good hard freezes, even up in Memphis. But this sudden freeze, they've got so much moisture in the leaves that sometimes a sudden freeze will cause them to booglify. So I'm having my daughter go by and take those potted plants that are outside, they're normally hard, and set them on the ground up against the house and throw a bunch of leaves on them to protect them from booglifying. So succulents, uh, potted plants that are up above the ground, uh, tropical plants you should have brought in anyway, those are the only things I worry about. But I'm predicting we're going to lose a lot of, of uh, early daffodils. I think we're going to lose some camellia flowers. We may lose some blueberry flowers. A lot of fruit trees are budded out right now, and we may lose some of that. So that's just the kind of stuff that – normally gardeners take into account. We plan ahead, we do what we can, we shrug our shoulders, and then we just go on. Because that's all we can do is just, after it's all over, take stock and go on. And next time, don't plant booglified, booglification-esque plants outside. <laughs> and uh, Java, I've got a question for you. I mean, you're you're a young guy, and and uh, you're, you're involved in the hip scene and all like that, but uh, do you know what the uh, 2023 Word of the Year from Oxford University Press means? Have you heard Riz, R-I-Z-Z? Yeah, and that really was my indication that I'm becoming an older gentleman <laughs> because I have not heard the word. I did not but know man, about the you word. You, you, Java is so Riz, you are, you are full of it. You know what it means? It means charisma. No. Charisma. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, if you, you know, if you've got a, you know, if, you know, if, if you, if, if you exude confidence, you know, you walk in, you calm people down, and you just have that air about you. You got charisma. So, Java, you are Riz. I just as soon as I saw that, I thought of you. Well, uh, thank, th- <laughs> yeah. thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Don't don't blow it, old man. <laughs> Hey, hey, let's let's lie down to Mobile and see what Mikey's up to. Good morning, Mikey. How are you doing? Aloha. And y'all are making me laugh so much this morning. Thank you. Good, good, (laughs) Um, good, good. Okay, I'm trying to ask this delicately, which is difficult for me. Um, uh, Okay, what is the best way to do things as far as getting them covered? And, and taken care of and prepared for um, without ha- being arrested. And, okay, uh, I guess that's basically it. I'm not following you on this. You mean 
without getting arrested. Yes, because if you have uh, every metropolis, of course, of course, has its own codifications and its own sections of laws and its own ways Uh, of doing things. And some of them, some of them will threaten you with arrest if you have flower pots that are not active. They are active, but they are dormant. Oh, okay. The, you know, the, the, ain't nobody gonna arrest anybody for for plants that they get killed by the winter. And if you want to cover your plants, even the the uh, the neighborhoods with the strictest covenants, you know, says you have to paint your fence a certain way or you can't park your car. You know, all those kind of things. Ain't nobody get arrested. You get fined if you keep breaking rules. But nobody gets arrested for covering or protecting their plants. That's all it is to it. So you know, if you want to but cover you your plants, pot- if well, if you, if you got, if, uh, I'm if, sorry. If, if, if you if, have pots that look to an un, untrained eye that look like they're dead, and they consider that litter. Well, that, that's you know that's going to be oh, oh, the only place that's going to going to have problems with that is the, is the kind of neighborhoods like I say that have real strict covenants and neighbors rat each other out, and they're not going to do that for certain. And if you got a plant that's dead. And you live in a neighborhood where they object to that, they can ask you to get rid of it. And if you don't, the most they can do is find you. But other than that, it's not a problem. And what I would suggest is, in that case, get you some spray paint and go spruce them up. Just hit them with some spray paint. Be done with it. And if you live but in that kind of neighborhood. Dirt. It's dirt. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing to spray paint. And it's going well, to be less to spray paint after this freeze. Well, I, I, I just I, I just don't see the issue. If you got a plant that's dead, you can pull it up and you spray paint it, or you can replace it. If you got bare dirt, you spray some mulch over it. You can put a scarecrow out there, but uh, there's really not an issue here. If a plant dies, you know, and and you don't have any restrictive covenants, you could. I, I I had a tree in my front yard right on the curb, and I live in a pretty decent little funky neighborhood where people care about their yards. And my magnolia term browns the door, and I've spray painted it in glossy black for a, for a couple of months, and then I bobbed the branches back and stuck wine bottles on the branches. But yeah, ain't nobody gonna arrest you for for having dead plants out there. Nah, not gonna happen. Yeah, Mikey, and and from my untrained horticultural advice column, um, get you some some a uh, couple fake things. <laughs> and, and and put them in and put them in the pots and they and they make some really good fake things nowadays that you you have oh, to get okay. really up close to to see okay. if it's fake or not. Okay, in Java, I got to bring you back. We call them faux, not fake. Ah, faux. Oh, or or <laughs> sin, they're, they're synthetic. Ah, there you go. That that sounds a <laughs> listen, little bit. <laughs> listen, I, you, you know, I I spent a lot of time in in England, and uh, I spent a lot of time. And I live in a little terrace house. The terrace house is sort of like, you know, you, you see these movies with, with these streets where it's just, they're not apartments, but they line the street and there's a door and a window and a door and a window and a door. Sort of like a Seinfeld type thing. Well, those are called terrace houses. Right across the, the lane, little cobbled street I live on, right across the street, looking out the window right now, is a garden that is surrounded by a fence. They're all fenced. It's got grass. It's got flowers. It's got tropical plants. It's got uh, 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 everything, and every single thing, including the grass, is synthetic. It's fake as it can be. Even the fence is covered with fake leaves. <laughs> so if they can do it in England, 
we can do it in Mobile. We're seeing people go do a talk about you, but as Martha Stewart quoted me as saying, they go talk about you anyway. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I I have synthetic plants in my yard, Java. You know, one of the the best, the boldest plants in my little cabin is a is a a fake weeping fig. And people say, well, you shouldn't do that. I'm thinking, shut up. If you put on mascara or eyelashes, or if you cut your, you know, just shut up. It's okay. The worst they can do is say, well, they use fake plants. Oh well, so do I, and I wrote the book. Yeah, Mikey. So I don't think I don't think you have anything to worry about. But let's let's stay in Alabama. We love our um, Alabama listeners here, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And let's go to uh, Choctaw County, Alabama, and talk with Sela, um, who hey. wants to talk about her crepe myrtles. Hey, Sela, what's yeah. where, where is where is Choctaw County? Choctaw County is about mm, about ninety five miles north of Mobile. Okay, so so you're you're somewhere between uh, Montgomery and 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 uh, Tuscaloosa. Uh, no, no, no. You're going to come all, all the way down. You're about 95 miles north of Mobile, coming. Up. Okay, okay, okay. Well, what's what's up with the crepe myrtles? Well, I've had I've had quite a few. About five or six of them have been in one spot for about four years now, and they haven't really flourished at all. They're still like little sticks, and uh-huh. but they're still alive. But yeah. I was thinking, uh, how can is it a good time to pull them out of that spot and try to nurse them back to health? And what can I do to nurse it back to health and put it in a better spot? Well, is these are good questions, and I, I'm I'm wondering what the what the problem. Is. You think they might be staying too wet part of the year? Because if they're in an area that stays kind of wet for a few days after rain, a lot of plants, you know, they get root damage that 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 makes them weak when it comes comforts when it comes time for hot, dry summer blooming, they, they've had roots that were rotted. So if it's in a low, wet area, you know, then you can move them anytime this month or next while they're still dormant. Uh, you might just, instead of doing that, you might want to take a shovel. And uh, did you plant these yourself, Sheila? I, I had somebody else plant them. Uh-huh. Well, the reason I'm asking, yeah. it, it could be that somebody else planted them, that they didn't dig a very good hole. And the roots are uh-huh. stuck like in a in a clay pot. What you can do is, you, if you can sort of figure out where the original hole was they they dug, and then go outside that and loosen the dirt up another uh, two or three shovels width out. You don't have to dig it like you plant anything, but just sort of break up the dirt outside the original hole so that the roots can grow out. A lot of times they get stuck in a small hole and uh-huh. and they stay wet, dry, wet, dry. You know. So the idea is try to to sort of stick your arms. Straight out, wiggle your fingers and see if you can help roots do that. And unless it's staying okay. wet all the time, that might be all you need to do. And just a handful, not even a handful, a scant handful of fertilizer in the spring. So I'd loosen up the, the, the dirt a little bit wider, maybe put some mulch around it, scant handful of fertilizer in the spring, and see if that doesn't do the trick. But if you do okay. want to do anything, maybe, maybe what you could do, Sheila, is uh, dig the plants up, Rework the dirt, make the hole wider, and then replant them. You know, but not too right. deep, and that might that might be all they need. Okay, should I use a, a potting soil better? Or oh, no. Just no, natural no, no, dirt? no, no, just just natural dirt. They got to get used to it. The idea, though, a lot of times when you dig a little hole, pull a plant out of that pot, and stick it in that hole, you've dug like a clay pot that stays wetter than the soil around it, 
and it dries out quicker. So the main thing is you want to kind of make it wider and then loosen up the roots a little bit, cover it with some mulch, see if that doesn't help. And I wouldn't add anything to your dirt. Okay. Sounds great. Okay. Well, good. It's easy to say. It may not be that easy to do. <laughs> We're going to try it. <laughs> good, good luck to you. Well, let us know how it works. All right. Yes, thank you. You bet. Let's slide. Let's stay on the Gulf Coast. Let's have, slide over towards Louisiana. Talk to Peter. He's calling from the past, past Christiane. What's up, Peter? Hey, Felder. Good morning. Um, yeah. We've got a number of uh, banana trees and birds of paradise. And yeah. they're six, eight, ten feet tall. Um, and it's going to be a hard freeze down here on Wednesday morning. What yeah. should I do to cover those up and protect them? Well, you're not going to be able to cover them up completely. What I do is I cut them back to about uh, two or two and a half feet tall. They will put out new growth this spring. Even if you cover them up, they're going to be boogered up real bad. So what I would do, I wouldn't cut them to the ground. I'd cut them back to a couple of feet tall and just maybe throw a cardboard box or something over them, you know, something to protect that. If you try to protect the whole thing, they're going to get enough damage to where they're going to look so bad you're going to wish you'd cut them down to start them over again. So just go ahead and do that. I, I'm seriously, you know, that, there's not much. And your bear, bird of paradise, are they that real big, tall white one or are they the, the, the regular purple and, and orange ones? The purple orange. Yeah. You know, you, you, can, you can treat those like big monkey grass or daylilies and just cut them back to, you know, knee high. They'll, they'll put out new growth perfectly fine with no problems at all. Okay. All right, we'll give that a shot. Thank you very much. All right, you bet. Good luck on it. And uh, by right. the way, hey. folks, okay, see ya. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be giving a talk. Actually, I'm giving a couple of talks within the next three weeks or so. I'm giving a, a program, let me see, 2000, on the 27th, that's in two weeks, I'm giving a talk in Magnolia, Arkansas. And Magnolia, Arkansas is almost Louisiana. It's so far south Arkansas that it's almost north Louisiana. Uh, I'm going to be giving a, a talk then uh, in Magnolia, but also on February the, where is it, right here? Uh, well, I'll, I'll have to come back to that. I'm giving a talk now on the coast sometime pretty soon after that. Uh, I just don't see it right now for some reason. Just just losing my, losing my, my, my place here. Anyway, if you've got some garden events that are happening, some things I could help promote, let me help with that. Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, you know, East, West Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi. If there's some things going on, let me try to help with that. Let's slide up to the heart of the Delta and talk with Mark and Belzone. Good morning, Mark. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing, Sal? Good, good. What's up? I need you to tell me what I can do to prevent or control these brown spots I'm getting all over my greens. Oh, boy, that's going to be a tough one. You know, we have several different fungal, they, they call fungal leaf spots. They're leaf spots that are caused mostly by fungal, sometimes bacteria. And what happens when a raindrop or some water hits one of those spots, it splashes spores, like little seeds everywhere. And if the plants stay wet, those start new spots. So once you've got it really, really bad, there's not any real cure for these. Once a leaf has got that infection, you can't cure it. What we're trying to do is keep the new growth that hasn't got spots from getting spots. 
And two ways to do that. First of all, make sure your plants aren't so thick that, that you know, they're all crowded together. they got good air circulation. Try not to keep them too wet. You know, that's the first thing. There are some fungicides you can spray. They don't cure it, but what they do is they put a protective film over it. It's sort of like putting a sunscreen on to keep from getting sunburned or putting a raincoat on before you get wet. The fungicides are protective films that you can spray, and there's some that you can use on greens that are safe to use on greens to still eat. Uh, I don't re- remember them off the top of my head, but the county agent there in Humphreys County, uh, uh, you know, he, he can help. But anyway, there are fungicide sprays you can use. What I would do is cut out as much as you can with all the spots. Try not to keep the plants too wet. And if you need to, use a fungicide spray to keep the new growth nice and clean. And they last for a couple of weeks or so before you got to apply them again. And that's about it. Uh, also, think about not planting so thick. You know, thin your seeds out. You might be a little heavy-handed with your seeds. And they get real, real thick. It's like having too many people in a in an elevator. Somebody gets sick, everybody's going to get sick. So kind of thin your plants out a little bit, see if that doesn't help. Well, let me ask something. Will spraying bacon soda, you know, mix bacon soda and water, will that do anything for you? There, you know, there, there, there's some a little bit of evidence that baking soda changes the what they call the pH of the soil. I don't remember uh, of the of the leaf. I don't remember if it makes it more alkaline or, or or acidic, but it slightly changes the the acidity of the leaf surface, and it can slow down fungal development. It won't cure stuff. It's just a it it, it makes it less less easy for the fungus to get started. So it's sort of like using a fungicide. If you're going to do that, just use a fungicide. And um, but anyway, the bacon sort of thing, that helps a little bit, but not enough to really make it something I'd recommend. It doesn't hurt to do it. I can tell you that. Anyway, I hope that helps, Mark. When it comes to insects, you can squirt an insect, you can stomp it, you hit it with a brick, and that'll kill it. But when it comes to diseases, you can't cure them. They're not... Plants aren't like people. They don't fix old tissue. They grow new tissue. So if you've got a leaf spot disease or some kind of fungus, all you can do is try to get rid of what you've got and then treat the clean stuff as a preventive. Again, sunscreen will keep it from getting sunburned. But once you're sunburned, it doesn't do any good to put the sunscreen on. So anyway, that's sort of a bottom line thing. I wish it was something easier I could say about that, but I don't. I was stumbling around. I knew I was going to be giving a talk down on the coast sometime, but that's not until the end of February. I thought it was going to be the end of end of January. I'm going to be giving a talk in Magnolia, Arkansas. It's open to the public. Um, so anybody in uh, north Louisiana, south uh, in, in uh, southeast Arkansas, hope to see you all then. Other than that, we're going to be doing a little thing on taking care of roses at Greenwood Cemetery, downtown Jackson, on February the 3rd. But that's three weeks off, so don't really need to talk much about that. Uh, but I will be on the Gulf Coast uh, at the library in Kiln, K-I-L-N, the Kiln. Uh, that's going to be towards the end of, of uh, February. If you've got some things I can help promote, let's do that. Meanwhile, what can you be doing this time of year? If you've got uh, some vegetable seeds, tomatoes and peppers, and you'd like to get a start, I would still wait just a little bit. A lot of people jump the gun. They got spring fever too early. They got cabin fever, and they try to get plants started too early. Uh, you want to set out plants in your garden that are sturdy and stocky, and the best way to do that is to grow them when it's warm, plenty of sunshine, not too hot. 
and don't give them too much. It only takes a month and a half, five, maybe six weeks to get plants ready to set in the garden. Uh, and we usually don't recommend planting stuff even on the Gulf Coast until the end of May, excuse me, end of March. March and April are the best time to set out summer stuff, whether zinnias or tomatoes. And so plan ahead. If you start on the in the first of February, that's two months of growing those plants, getting them ready. I think six weeks is plenty. So if you can hold off, it's better. You'll have sturdier, stocky plants, not, not those floppy, leggy, leany things that when you set them out, they just flop over. Sturdy and stocky. So a little early for starting that stuff. It is a good time to start thinking about onions, uh, English-type peas, the garden peas, um, potatoes. If you could get Irish potatoes, you know, they get sold out real quick at garden centers. So you can go ahead and start getting prepared for those. And we start planting those typically in the latter part of February, the first part of March, a little bit early right now. One thing you can do this time of year, if you want to do something kind of fun that's edible, is get your two or three kind of shallow bowl pots, you know, not big deep pots, but kind of shallow. Put some decent potting soil in there and start some lettuce. Lettuce is easy from seed. It's fast from seed. It grows in shallow pots. You don't need a big, big, big deep pot. And if you'll start a few one week, you know, just sow the seeds, just sprinkle them on the top real thin and water them, they'll be up within a few days. And then a week or two later, start you a second one and then a third one. That way you will have some pots of lettuce. And if you'll mix two or three different kinds of lettuce, some red lettuce, some pink lettuce, green lettuce, curly leaf, slick leaf, different kinds of lettuce, it's called mesclun, M-E-S-C-L-U-N. Mix up two or three, four different kinds, slightly sprinkle them, and start you a whole salad bowl and start one every, oh, couple of weeks or so and just leave them outside. As long as it's above 35 or so, leave them outside. They get they grow well in cool weather. They get sweeter in cool weather. And only bring them in that's going to be uh, freezing. So, so you can actually get you a nice little garden started and bring it in, keep it on the patio, keep it on the front porch, keep it on, you know, just enjoy it. And if you want to snazz it up, put your, a pansy or a viola in with it, or maybe spray paint some sticks and put them in there like deer horn or something. But have fun. You can grow edible greens in pots that can be brought in if it gets really too cold. Hey, let's uh, let's slide up to Jackson. Talk to Vicky. Vicky, thank you for calling. What's up? Oh, yes, I've just recently moved to Ridgeville after being in Jackson for 44 years, and several people gave me some irises, which I've planted. Well, some of the great big white irises and some of the little yes. big purple ones, but yeah. they haven't bloomed. And I didn't know if it was because of that bad freeze we had or because I don't think they're planted too close together because they just planted them yeah. know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. But they have uh, to bloomed. Uh, uh, a couple of things. First of all, irises will grow uh, up in Illinois and Michigan, so the cold weather usually doesn't get up. But here's the thing. Irises like to be shallow. Uh, when I see irises planted by horticulturists and botanic gardens, they lay that, that ropey rhizome, looks like a, a piece of rope. They lay it on top of that, and they mash it in where it's halfway or two-thirds of the way in, but the top of it is still sticking out above the ground. If you plant them deep, the flower bud rots really easy. If you mulch them real heavy, that flower bud rots. So irises like to be shallow. They like to be in full sun. They don't need a lot of water. And if they come with a lot of mulch, a lot of dirt, that's most likely. This will have nice leaves, but the flower bud rots off real easy. 
So th- as long as that rhizome is baking in the sun, uh, I think they, they should do better. Should I dig them up and just kind of replant them? Well, you know, if you can't look out there, you know, if, the, if you can't see the top of that rhizome, they're planted too deep. You can just uh, lift them up, lightly work the dirt up, set them halfway, two-thirds in the ground. But when you get done, when you water them, just make sure the top of that little rhizome is still showing. And that's, that's probably, probably one of the only one of the few plants that that does like this. It really wants to be on top of the ground. And Felder, if you can believe it, man, we made it through yeah. another show. Oh man, I had a couple of bad jokes I want to share, but I guess we ain't got time for that. That's okay. It's going to be cold, folks. Stay warm. Protect your pets. Keep some water out for the wildlife. Put some boxes out there for wildlife if you need to. If you want to protect your plants. Water them. Set potted plants out on the ground. Um, and if you're going to cover something up, do it just over that night. Make sure the cover goes all the way to the ground. Don't worry about a lot of plants. They'll do fine. And if you lose some stuff, well, welcome to my world. That's what spray paint and pruning shears are for. Always better next year. I'm Horticulture Stella Rushing, and uh, me and my girl, we're going to do a little stuff to get the garden, our gardens ready, but we're not going to fret about it. We're going to keep our heads up. We're going to enjoy what we got, and we're going to always be dreaming. No matter how bad it gets, we're always going to find a way to get dirty. If you have a chance, take a kid to a garden center, get them a pot full of pansies, and let's take it from there. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.